0: We have baby chick fever, so we are absolutely pumped to be partnering with Sweeter Heater. Sweeter Heater products provide a safe, gentle, infrared, radiant heat to your new poultry friends.
1: Sweeter Heater has no hot spots and develops a uniform heat pattern. It is designed to warm the animal, not the environment, and is fully adjustable to maintain the ideal comfort level for your chicks, ducklings, or goslings.
0: But wait, there's more. Sweeter Heater isn't just for poultry. It can be used in whelping areas, kennel runs, farrowing units, dog and cat houses, pretty much anything. I personally have one set up for Hamlet, our Juliana pick, to give them a little extra heat in the winter, and for our new barn kittens, and it actually keeps their small water bowl thawed, too, because it's kind of like on the kitty corner of it. No pun intended. <laughs>
1: Backed by a three year warranty and recommended by poultry experts and hatcheries all over the country, you'll feel great about ditching those heat lamps and upgrading your furry or feathered friends to Sweeter Heater.
0: Go to sweeterheater.com and use code Drink and Farm to get 15% off one or more of their heaters. That's sweeterheater.com with code Drink and Farm, all lowercase. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking Mm -hmm. today? I
1: made myself another fancy latte, and this week it is white chocolate vanilla.
0: Ooh,
1: ah. (laughs) I have no idea if that's a combination people normally go for, but I only bought three syrups, so I'm eventually going to run out of combination (laughs) and I need more. (laughs) I'm on a latte kick because I really want to buy myself this new, better, more expensive latte maker, uh, but I cannot justify it if I don't use the one that I already
0: have. That makes sense.
1: <laughs> but the reason I don't use the one I already have very often is because it's a pain in the butt to clean, and it's actually really hard to like set up to make the lattes. So I want to upgrade to one that is a little easier and has less like parts that like shove into the machine so that yeah. there's less
0: cleaning but I, I mean that's ya. me <laughs> I got yeah so what are you drinking over there so I am drinking a Jameson cold brew on the rocks with just a mm. little bit of water in it to take you know the edge off
1: (laughs) yeah smart (laughs) yes i
0: got this before christmas and i've only had it a couple times but i do really like it and i am drinking it out of our your ass is enough mug because i like to drink alcohol (laughs) out of coffee mugs for some reason so i highly recommend that to anybody that um thinks it sounds like a good idea it's actually a fantastic idea so
1: yeah, cheers. it's got a handle on it, exactly. I mean. Exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Our drink peep this episode is our friend Elizabeth Steves, which is steel 2 over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady.
0: Cheers.
1: All right. This week, we get to talk about the thing that everyone is talking about right now, garden planning.
0: Oh, that's not where I was going at all in my brain. So I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, it isn't? (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't know if you don't. There's a lot of shit going down in the world right now. But you know what? I think this is the perfect time to talk about gardens because everybody's brain needs a little break and needs something fun to focus on right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you get vegetables in the garden. So what's not to love?
0: Exactly. And I always love a good plan and I have yet to successfully really feel confident or, or know what to do to plan for, you know, a garden that isn't just a couple of containers of things. So I'm super excited to learn and, you know, have these notes to like go back to later when when I really buckle down in a week or two here.
1: So this week uh, we'll talk about how to actually like decide what you're going to put into the ground into your garden. We'll also discuss uh, how to put together a garden planning system should you choose to use a system or plan ahead, Uh, how to pick the perfect timing to do everything that you need to do for your garden, how to lay out your garden, and also how to actually like execute and get it all done because like you know it's one thing to make a plan but it's another thing to actually do the plan right yes exactly so we'll just dive right in what do you
0: think yeah let's dive right into gardening veggies
1: i mean technically you can do fruit too
0: so there's that. That's true.
1: Yeah. You can. You can do fruit. I use veggies a lot just because there are like more veggies that you direct sow into the garden. Yes. But veggies, fruit, they're basically interchangeable.
0: <laughs> Grow some of your own stuff. I like it. All right. So, where do we start?
1: So, the first thing you got to do when you're going to be putting a garden into the ground is you have to decide what you're going to plant. And the way that I do this myself and that I always recommend to people is that you want to plant things that you and your family like to eat. And I know that that sounds like such a no brainer, (laughs) but do some thinking, you know, Uh, does the things that you like to eat, can they be grown in your zone? Uh, Are they small enough to fit in your space or do you have, you know, like the right setup for them? Like if they're... Are trellising plants like? Do you have trellises in your garden? You might have to do a little googling to like see what your actually what your actual plants you know that you like to eat look like, because like I've done that before. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Oh yeah, so uh, I've it turns out that I really like black eyed peas. And I know that that sounds really weird, but they're like my new favorite thing. I'm obsessed with them.
0: Not the band, the food.
1: (laughs) Yes, not the band, the food. So I just got on to Baker Creek's website and ordered the seeds. And then I was like, wait, what does this plant look like? I don't know how these grow. Hmm. So, you know, you have to figure out, you know, are they a big bushy plants? Are they like a tall tree type of plants? Or are they a trellising plants? Or are they like a a ground spreader? So you'll want to know all of those things so that you can, you know, make sure that they'll fit in your garden. Um, And you also need to look at like, can you get the seeds? Are they something like, you know, is dragon fruit you know something that you guys like to eat (laughs) or like (laughs) passion fruit like you know there are some like there are some funky things out there uh, that maybe don't grow from seed you know I'm thinking like ginger turmeric (laughs) you know things like that um and you have to you know figure out if it's something that you can even get a hold of and you know like want to actually take on once you see like you know how it grows and what it looks like and how it'll fit into your garden
0: so I have I have a question before you go though. What does the black-eyed peas uh plant look like?
1: So there are trellising ones and there are bush ones, oh. and I don't know which ones I bought. So <laughs> it'll when I when the seeds show up, I'll read the back of the packet and then I'll follow the directions.
0: Improv <laughs> make it work.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so once you've identified you know what you like to eat and think that you want to put in your garden start a wish list uh, you can do that on a seed website or you can just get out an old-fashioned piece of paper and a pencil and write them down but anyways create a wish list because you're going to want to go back you're going to go back through your wish list like a lot during this process so you definitely want to have it written down somewhere and not just have it in your head Mm-hmm the other way that i decide what things we're going to plant is i think of all of the ingredients that are in our go-to weeknight recipes so uh like one of our favorite recipes that my family really loves is this uh recipe that we got from blue apron it's called spaghetti bolognese Uh, And it has Brussels sprouts and rosemary and carrots and onions and garlic in it. And so I wrote down all of those things. I was like, I can grow every single one of these. And we do. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a dinner, yeah, that we can make that we get to grow like all of the ingredients. The Brussels sprouts I've had more trouble with. I've gotten a few, but, like, not anything to, like, write home about. So sometimes I'll take those recipes and I'll just swap out other things that fit. So, like, since I don't grow Brussels sprouts really well, sometimes I just substitute kale in there instead. Oh,
0: okay. So
1: that's another thing, too, is you can look at these recipes and you can be like, well, so I don't want to grow that or I can't really grow that. Like, what can I use in there instead? And then you can add all of those vegetables to your wish list as long as, you know, they fit in your growing space, they're capable of growing in your zone, and that you can actually get a hold of the seeds or the plant starts or whatever. And there are some things that I recommend every gardener consider growing if they have the space um, and if they like these things, because like there are items that are in just about every recipe that you come across, or maybe it's just every recipe I make because I love these things so much. (laughs) Um, But they include like garlic, onions, green onions, all the herbs, a mix of lettuces. And then I always recommend a couple of the like Hardier grains like spinach or kale because all of that stuff is just um, it can be used in so many different recipes eaten so many different ways and all of those things are relatively easy to grow once you get a hang of you know the planting cycle and growing within your growing space like don't think you'll put these things in the ground and it'll just be successful because they're easy I say easy like once you feel comfortable gardening if that makes sense
0: easy compared to other things you could attempt to grow especially as a newbie yes that's
1: a better way to put it (laughs) I got you
0: as the as the resident (laughs) newbie I got you
1: (laughs) and you should also definitely plan on planting some things just for fun but do it like in moderation
0: (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you speak from experience.
1: Yes. One year I planted like 75 jelly melon cucumber seeds. <laughs> like, Do you even know what a jelly melon cucumber is? Yes,
0: but I'm not sure what I would do with them.
1: Exactly. I didn't either. So a lot of them ended up going to the chickens and the compost pile.
0: I mean, I'm sure the chickens were thrilled.
1: They were, and we enjoyed the few that we had and they were fun and it was neat to like see them in the garden, but that's like a plant's a handful of them kind of thing. Unless you're like super into jelly melon cucumbers. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: did get some cucamelon seeds and I'm like, I need to not go nuts with this because I think they're fun and they're cute, but I don't need a lot of them to enjoy them. <laughs>
1: Funny story, that was the thing that I planted on the other side of the jelly melon cucumbers, and I also had like 75 of them.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that I can learn from your experiences. Maybe that's, the, that's what I'll say. I didn't really start my garden because I wanted to watch Bev go through hers first. <laughs> so I could learn. <laughs> exactly.
1: Okay, so now that you have a wish list of things that you think you might want to plant in your garden... Figure out how you're gonna plan this thing. I mean, I've done this both ways now. I have just bought seeds and then gone out there and winged it. And yeah, I have 100% pulled things out of the garden, harvested things. We've eaten a lot of stuff that way. But if you actually put together a planning system, you can do things like start your seeds at the right time so that you you actually get to harvest the item during the season, you know that it grows in your zone, which is really important because, like, when you plant things too soon or too late, your your plant just isn't as healthy, and your crop, like, naturally isn't as good because of that. Um, and also, there are like pest cycles and things to keep in mind. So, putting together some sort of planning system is definitely helpful Um, and you can do that using just a few pieces of paper or like dedicating a spiral bound notebook to it but the way that I'm planning my garden this year is I actually dedicated like a whole full-on panda planner to it oh wow and I'm using the panda planner 2.0
0: dang you're serious this year a whole planner for your garden.
1: Yes, I am extremely serious this year.
0: <laughs> and where can people get the Panda Planner 2.0 if they want to follow in Bev's footsteps?
1: There will be a link to it in the show notes. But you can find it on Amazon. You can find them on Panda Planners website. But we'll make it easy and link to it so you don't have to like go searching and make sure that you have the right one.
0: Awesome.
1: And it's a super cool planner um, because it's kind of a it's a planner that's on the smaller side, like it's not a giant eight by 10 planner, which is what I prefer like for my desk. Um, I don't know what the dimensions are, but you know, it fits in my one hand just fine, but it has enough space that I can actually still write in it. It has an annual planning section, so you can make a rough planting plan first, like in every month so that you like can write down uh, what you think you want to do when, and then, you know, take a look at that and see if that's actually gonna work for you. Uh, There's a monthly section, so you can move all the annual stuff into the different months, which lets you see like, which months are gonna be really busy in the garden and which ones are gonna be a little slower. And it's a daily planner with a weekly overview section. So there's plenty of room for garden planning, task checklists and making lists of supplies that you need. You can plan out when you wanna buy your supplies, So it's super handy. And it's undated. So if you buy one today, like, it's not already dated for January 1st. So you don't have to worry about wasting those pages, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, I love that. That is one of the most disappointing things when I get super excited about a planner and there's already dates in it and it's not for this year. It's such a nerdy thing to get upset about. but. (laughs) But that's huge. I mean, you don't want to spend your hard earned money on something that is going to be not workable for you.
1: That is super true. And so I'm so funny. I prefer a dated planner, um, but it's only because I have a hard time following through and writing all the dates of it. Uh, but I sat down and did all the dates in these like as soon as they came in. Wow. So I was like, if I don't do it now, I won't. <laughs> So one of the other things you can do if you decide to dedicate a planner to your garden is you can track when you actually decide to plant things um, and you can, you know, plan ahead what your expected harvest dates are so that you can compare like what your actual harvest dates are to what they should have been You can see like, you know, maybe your soil doesn't have enough nutrients in it if it took like an extra 20 days or maybe there wasn't enough sunlight in that area of the garden there's so many different ways you can analyze the data when you're tracking like what you plan and what was ideal and what actually happens so these will be handy to hang on to during next winter when you're planning your next year's garden you can use that data to kind of like adjust your plan if you need to which is pretty cool. And if you like to track harvest amounts, you can totally do that in a planner as well. You can do that using all sorts of systems. But just, like, penciling into the corner of each day is, you know, super handy. You can go back, flip back through it, add it all up. Because some people like to, you know, get to the end of the gardening season and be like, I harvested 1,000 pounds of tomatoes.
0: I mean... <laughs> so many tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're trying to sell, like, homemade spaghetti sauce, I mean, that's really impressive. <laughs> Um, no, I think that's a really cool idea, especially if you're a really goal oriented person and and you want to have a kind of somewhat specific goal for your harvest. Like that's really cool.
1: Yeah. And it's, it gives you something to come back to Mm -hmm. also. So like if you ever fall off track on working in your garden, you can pick it back up and just start from wherever you left off and you don't have to like, you know, think back To like, what did you get done? Because you have checklists in here and you know, like, oh, I did all of that, but I didn't do that. So this is where I need to start. Or maybe I need to skip this now because it's June and June is a terrible time to plant radishes in my, (laughs) you know, zone. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. (laughs) So the next step in your garden planning adventure is you need to plan your timing for when you're going to do everything in your garden.
0: (laughs) And this is where I epically failed last year and had a pumpkin growing in like November. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler, it did not survive.
1: Truth be told, I epically fail at this every year. So when I went through this exercise and I actually wrote down when I was going to do everything in my planner, I was like, I have been putting in my garden months too late in my zone. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. So this is incredibly valuable. So what you're going to want to do is um, I used almanac.com's garden planning by zip code tool. There will be a link to it in the show notes. It's it almanac.com slash gardening slash planting dash calendar just go to the show notes it's way easier than trying to remember all that mm-hmm. um, but what it does is it gives you a list you put in your zip code and it gives you a list of all of the major vegetables and fruits that people like to plant and it tells you When you should start your seeds, if you're going to start your seeds in pots early, it tells you when to transplant those starts, and it tells you when to direct sow the seeds into the garden. And the date that they give you, they give you a range of ideal dates, um, but they give you the first date that you can possibly do it. So what I did in my planner, is I wrote down the first date that you could possibly do it because then I knew that if I was able to get that done within a window of a few weeks after that, I was going to be good. And if you like to garden by the moon phases, which we actually did a whole episode about that and we'll link to it in the show notes, it's an old one and it was super fun, um, then those dates are in that tool as well. So after you start listing out all of your ideal planting dates for everything that you want to put in your garden, uh, you're going to notice that some days are super huge. And I'll give you an example. Okay. <laughs> in my garden on March 1st, I have to, or I, I shouldn't say I have to, I get to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there you go.
1: <laughs> I get to direct sow uh, radishes into the garden. But then... I also get to go into the greenhouse and start basil, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, loofah, and tomato seeds.
0: Oh, snap.
1: Like, that's a lot in one day. Yeah. So what I did is I actually flipped to those days in the monthly section of my planner, and I marked those as days that I was gonna take as PTO so that I could actually, like, get all of that gardening stuff done that I wanted to. Good idea. But if you don't have a lot of PTO time or you don't wanna use it in the garden, totally understandable, you can just push all of that stuff to the next available weekend. So like, for example, I think March 1st is a Monday. Uh, But you could just push it to that Saturday and you'd be totally fine. I would never do anything early, though, um, only because the reason that's the earliest date that you should do it is because of, like, the weather patterns. And it knows, like, the almanac.com knows when plants have the best chance of survival. So definitely do it after, not before. (laughs) So now that you have an idea of what it's going to take to plant the garden of your dreams, you have to look at it and decide, like, does it feel like too much and be honest with yourself like it's okay if you don't want to dedicate that much time to your garden like it doesn't bring that much joy to everybody right so you might need to cross off some plants that you think you can live without this year um or you can take a look at that plant list and like think back to your local greenhouse or like whatever store you can buy plants and seeds from Maybe you can buy some of those things as uh, started plants already Mm. instead of growing them from seed to kind of take, you know, the weight and the pressure off. But you still get to plant your garden. So that's pretty cool. You have some options. And by having this plan already laid out for you, like right in front of your face, you can make those decisions early instead of, you know, like suddenly it being April and you were supposed to start your garden in March, right? <laughs> and you're like, shoot, I've run out of time. Now what do I do? Like, you don't have to panic by all the tomatoes. You can make a list of what tomato starts. You know, you're gonna buy because you know that you don't want to plant them from seed. So it's super helpful to the brain. Yes,
0: and I will say too, one of the things I was really ambitious with last year was growing all of my own flowers. Um, and guys, I like miserably failed at that for a few reasons. One, it was my first go around with seed starting and it's not terribly difficult, but there is a bit of art to it, especially the transplanting part before you put it in the ground. Like if you have to up pot it, (laughs) like what a freaking mess, but also some of the seeds for flowers are super tiny Like, microscopic. (laughs) You have to use tweezers. Oh, my God. It's terrible. Um, I will say a lot of them did sprout. But, like, I just, I don't know how to thin properly. And with some of the seeds being so small, I put way more than two or three in a little pot, (laughs) peat pot thing. So, yeah. Just go easy on yourself, especially if this is your first go around. That's, That's definitely what I learned last year is, like, don't go big. Just, just keep it basic
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's really good advice it's because seed starting is definitely not for everybody i think i'm going to try to find like some seed tape of some kind this year that i can like put the seeds onto so that i can have a little more control Yeah, i can like set the seed tape up ahead of time like on my kitchen table and get the seeds all placed where i need them to be and then take them out to my garden because yeah there's nothing worse than like you're standing there with a bag of carrot seeds uh and you know how tiny carrot seeds are and you're like trying to very carefully place them all the little holes and you're like screw it you just dump the whole thing down the line (laughs) i'll thin later
0: (laughs) worry about it later and then you immediately regret it when everything starts sprouting
1: yeah because you're like i love all of those carrots equally
0: which one do i sacrifice (laughs) i cared for them all and now i have to take some out yeah no it's not fun If you're still feeding your flock mealworms, listen up. With Grubblies, you can give your chickens all of that protein for their feathers, plus 50 times more calcium for their eggs.
1: So say goodbye to throwing handfuls of made-in-China mealworms to your chickens and hello to a happier, healthier flock with Grubly Farms Grubblies, the official chicken snack and feed sponsor of the Drink and Farm podcast.
0: That's right. And when you switch from mealworms to grublies, you'll start noticing a difference in the quality of the eggs and your flock will follow you anywhere for them.
1: So head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order and grublies always ship free.
0: Whew, I feel like we've already been on such a journey, but I'm excited to know what the next step is.
1: Yes, it is such a journey, um, but it is a very worthwhile journey that ends in vegetables. So let's keep paddling down this river (laughs) of gardening. (laughs) So the next thing that you want to do is you want to kind of lay your garden out. So I have done this two ways. I have just gone out there with a back pocket full of seeds and just... Put my garden together willy-nilly and had great success um, but then i've also had really big failure that way mm-hmm. because not everything fits the way i think it's going to in there or i accidentally plant things that are really bad neighbors oh. so this year i'm laying it all out which is kind of a lot of work but it's kind of exciting also to see like visually exactly what my garden is going to look like okay. so here is how you can do this uh you can use graph paper but that panda planner 2.0 that i'm using has dot grid paper in the back it's just like graph paper but it doesn't have the boxes already like filled in it's just like dots Mm -hmm. and uh what i did is my beds are four foot by eight foot So I figured out what scale I could use to draw my gardening beds out and have it fit on the paper. And for me, uh, the space between each dot represents two inches in real life. So my plan is actually to scale. And I think that that's really important because it helps you like space your vegetables out properly because some plants need 10 inches, but some only need two. And you know you don't want to waste space, but you also don't want to overcrowd everything because that equals disease and pest problems. So uh, like I said already, you want to ensure that when you're putting plants down um, on your graph paper, that you're planting good neighbors together. Uh, There are a bunch of books that can tell you all about companion planting, but I find that like I'll pick up the seed packets that I think I want to go together and I'll just do a a quick like Google search like what's a good neighbor for onions or what's a good neighbor for basil? And you'll get the list right away. So you can take the seed packets out that, you know, you definitely don't want to plant together in that bed. And it makes it super quick. Um, When you lay your garden out, you'll also be able to make sure that you have space for all of the plants that are on your wish list because you might (laughs) have to cross some off. (laughs) And you can also make sure that you don't order too many seeds of one thing because like, how many times have you been like, "Oh, I really want to plant green beans this year. I really like green beans. I'm gonna order ten packages of that." And then you get the packages in, and each one has like a hundred seeds. And you're like, <laughs> oh my god! I'll never plant a thousand green bean plants. Like, don't waste your money. Don't hoard the seeds. Just you know, grab what you need, and maybe it's had extra because like plants will die, or some some seeds don't germinate. Um, but the back of seed packets usually actually tell you, and the websites usually tell you what the expected germination rate is of that seed packet. and um, because the big seed companies always test their germination rates before they release the seeds for the year. So you can usually find that information. So you'll know, like if it has a really low germination rate, you want to order a bunch of extras. But if it's really high, you don't need to. So when you lay your garden out, you can decide if you're going to work through, like, the season one bed at a time. So I'll give you an example. The first bed that I'm starting has radishes, arugula, spinach, carrots, chives, and onions in it. And I have everything laid out so that I can direct so all of those things, you know, like when I want to work in that area of the bed and it'll all fit nicely, everything is a nice neighbor. And it actually looks really pretty on my paper, I'm pretty happy with it. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can decide if um, you wanna focus on planting main crops and trap crops appropriately. So uh, I'll give you an example, Um, like cabbages or uh, plants that are in the cabbage family, uh, they tend to be really susceptible to cabbage worms, but there are crops out there that will attract the cabbage worms and their moths so basically what you're doing is you're planting that crop to attract the cabbage worms and the moths to it and they destroy that crop instead of your cabbages and then that's basically just like a throwaway. you're not gonna get to harvest that um but you know that you're protecting your other ones from uh ending up with those pests now you're probably still going to end up with a few cabbage worms that way because like they're going to figure it out. Oh, wait, we like this cabbage thing better. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't end up with quite as many. So there's a ton of different ways to handle pests. And we've talked about that um, in other episodes. I'm sure we'll do more future episodes about pests. But that is one method that you can use for laying out your garden. Uh Or you can work to fill each bed throughout the whole gardening season and you can create microclimates within your garden that are ideal for certain plants. So uh, arugula is a cool weather plant. It doesn't like June and July very much, but if you plant it early and it gets to maturity date um, and then you plant taller, shadier things around it after it's gotten to that date, gotten to that size um, you can usually get arugula to last longer because it's being protected from the hot sun and then you can keep enjoying that longer whereas if it was like just out in the open in the garden and getting the July sun all day it'd be kind of gross and yucky and you know not very good so that's another (laughs) way that you can set up your garden there's so many options gardening is so fun
0: (laughs) and arugula is your spirit lettuce correct
1: Yes, it is. Yes, I use it in a lot of examples. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, I'm still pulling arugula out of my garden, and it's January. Wow. <laughs> it's, starting, it's, it's starting to get there, though. We've had several, several freezes, so it's getting a little rough. But I just ate some last night, and it was still good enough. So I'm going to let it keep going as long as I can.
0: Heck, yeah.
1: All right, we're starting to get close to the end, which is really exciting. Um, The next step is you need to make your supply list. So look at your wish list. What seeds do you need that you actually have the space and the time to plant? Uh, It's time to order them. Or you can make a plan and a budget to order them. That is totally up to you. But right around now, in January, I think is a good time to be picking up and ordering seeds um, because you have a better chance at getting the seeds that you want. Mm The later in the season it gets, the more likely that they might be out of stock and you might have to go with a different variety. And you also need to make lists of what you need to make it happen. So if you're starting seeds indoors in February, you need heat mats, grow lights, pots, soil, trays, you know, all of the good seed starting things. Um, but if you're just going to direct sow, you need to just worry about making sure that your garden beds are prepped. You know, they have enough soil, you got mulch, you know, all of that stuff. So, uh, you want to make sure that you've got those things listed out so you know when you need to have those things by and what exactly you need so you can plan ahead. And, uh, if you're a ninja planner, like I am, you can pencil like the exact dates you want to order things into your calendar and add them into your daily task list. So it's going to hang around until I check it off, (laughs) (laughs) which means it'll get done. And the last, but not least part is you have to execute on your plan. Ugh. And that's the hardest part. Yeah,
0: that's that's definitely where I struggled in a few spots last year was like, it was either during the execution or the transition periods within the process where you have to go from one phase like seed starting to up potting or to actually putting it in the ground. It's Definitely where... I was on the struggle bus.
1: Well, it's important to know, like, A, you're not alone on that. I think that those transition periods are the hardest part because usually during transition periods, it's when the weather is changing. So there's a lot of other shit to do on the farm during that time, too. for sure. So that's one of the reasons why a planner really helps me. Like, I can look ahead and I'm like, oh, baby goats are due that week. That's probably not
0: a week (laughs) to do that. I
1: need to either do that before or after. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But also know that your plan is just not gonna go off without any hiccups. It's impossible, you're going to run into trouble. But when you can look at your plan and you know when you were supposed to do something, If the window has just passed too far, like you can stop expending brain energy towards that and just move on and go to the next spot in your plan. Um, I think that that's super helpful because then you don't have to dwell on the things like, can I still do this? Like, should I still do this? Like, no, you can see very clearly that it's too far gone. So it's time to just move on and do the next thing. So you can get back on track, like really easily if you have a plan And my brain just works so much better under those circumstances. Um, And also, don't get stuck on trying to make it perfect. Your garden's not going to be perfect, no matter how much you plan for it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There's going to be spots where disease happens, where pests happen, Um, you know, If you take a few weeks from the garden because you find that it's just gotten, you know, like too exhausting, take those weeks and come back to it. It's okay. Like, it's still gonna be there. And then you can like pick up where you left off and figure out like what needs to be done next. But like, whatever you do, don't walk away from it just because, you know, you missed something or something didn't go right or it kind of looks like a total fail. I'll tell you right now, you never fail in the garden. Like you either figure out what you uh, like, you either figure out that what you did worked and it was right, or you figure out what not to do next year in your garden for sure. Yes. (laughs) And the last thing that I'll let everybody know is that copies of my planner pages are up on our Patreon and that is over at patreon.com slash farm. Every Patreon level has access to them. So if you're in zone six, you can just print off my planner pages and use them. You don't have to make your own plan, which I think is pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if you're not in my zone, you can just make adjustments, but you can use that as like an example for exactly what I'm saying. Because I know that sometimes when you're listening on a podcast, you're like, wait, what on earth is she talking about? Well, now you'll have a visual on exactly like how to put together a planner for your garden. And I'm super excited about this. I think that this is going to be a great jumping off point for people because you can develop your system to work however you want it to. Not everybody's brain works like mine. But now you'll have an example. I love it. So that's it. That's
0: it. Whew. What a journey.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of information in a small space. If anybody has any questions, though, feel free to drop them in our group over at facebook.com slash drink and farm is that where our facebook group is at there's a link to it in the show notes yeah
0: you know just just look up we drink and we farm things you'll find a, a fun little group answer our questions if you're not in the group already uh and we'll let you in yeah it's a good place to be we're i think we're almost to 450 members in our group when i checked the other day i was like holy crap how did that happen crazy it's a party come join us all right so now it's time for we can't even corner uh do you want me to go first so you can actually enjoy some of your latte since i know you did most of the talking this episode
1: yes please (laughs) i need to catch my breath i am not used to talking that much
0: (laughs) all right okay so let me pull up my can't even um gosh i was i really struggled to find something today um Man, the news is just really a downer cuz I I sometimes I'll just google like funny animal news and like not so funny stuff comes up. But I found this one interesting. Oh, no. Um so this is from the irishpost.com um and the headline is Irish surfer, which I didn't know people in Ireland surfed, but I guess it makes sense. <laughs> Learn something new every yeah. day. Um, Surrounded by water. <laughs> right, but it's like a cold and dreary place. Like, you think Hawaii, you're like, yeah, surfing. California, surfing. Ireland, drinking um (laughs) and when i went to ireland i did not see anybody surfing but it was also march so that might be why oh yeah but you know maybe maybe there are people that surf because this article is from january 8th and it says irish surfer saves sheep from drowning after it falls from clifftop in county clare oh my gosh yes so i'm gonna read parts of this article um the surfer who has been named as 29-year-old Johnny Casey was surfing the waves yesterday when he noticed a sheep who was fallen from the clifftop had become marooned on a ledge in the rough seas. Um, when the tide started to come in, there was a real danger. The sheep could have been swept into the sea and drowned. And so the surfer happened to know the family who owned the farm on the cliffs um, so he went and let them know that one of the sheep had gone off the cliffs. Um, and so what they did was they waded through the rock pools and the, uh, they got to the sheep and she was so tired that she couldn't walk. So they picked her up um, and walked her back across the reef. Um, obviously, everybody that helped got very wet from that activity um but eventually they made it back to safety um and he tied a rope to the animal and escorted her back to town where a tractor was waiting to transport her home apparently he got some funny looks um and he did think how did i get involved in this but he did save a sweet innocent little lost sheep and brought her home and so that kind of felt like a very crazy story, but um, had a good ending, so I thought it was appropriate for Camp Even this week.
1: Oh my gosh, I love it so much. Yeah,
0: it's so cute, the little sheep. I think it's just a stock photo. Oh no, there is a legitimate <laughs> photo. Um, it looks like it's from Instagram of this guy with the sheep. Um, and it's very cute sheep. So... We'll link to that article in the show notes if you'd like to read the whole thing and see a cute photo. Yes. So what is your can't even this week?
1: So my can't even is more personal. So I'm reading this book. It's called uh, Breath by James Nestor. And it was a book that someone on Instagram actually recommended to me. And I am so sorry that I don't remember what their Instagram handle is. I've tried to find it, but apparently I'm not tech savvy enough with Instagram. (laughs) I I had put like a, like a sticker up that people could respond, like what books they were currently reading. And it was one of those. Well, now it's been a few weeks and I can't get back to it. Like it's not saved in my messages or anything. So I have no idea who recommended it, but I bought it. And it's a really fascinating book. So basically, the premise of the book is that we don't know how to breathe.
0: Oh, right. And yeah. I think that he's right. Oh, we don't. <laughs> we don't. I definitely learned that when I was taking um, acting classes in college. Like, we do not breathe from our hoo like we should. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Oh, I remember that. That was early advice. See, I need to be doing that while I was doing all this talking, because I found myself out of breath a lot. So I've been reading this book, and I'm also doing a yoga practice from Yoga with Adrian. And it's also it's also concentrating on the breath. And in fact, today, my reading and my yoga practice use the exact same breathing technique. Ah, so I was cool. like, this is not a coincidence. She totally read this book. <laughs> but i wanted to highly recommend that book to anyone who is just interested in stuff like that we've talked about how like i love knowledge just for the sake of knowledge but there's actually breathing techniques in the book so it tells nice. a really good story about how this author like came to discover that he wasn't breathing right and then he goes through and like finds all the he does a lot of like investigative journalism type of stuff on figuring out like you know what pulmonologists are doing and what ancient texts say about breathing but then it also has some handy uh breathing techniques in it so if you're interested in trying to breathe right for your health you can start creating a breathing practice so I'm really excited about it. I'm only like a quarter of the way through the book, but it's so good. I'm hooked. <laughs>
0: nice. That's awesome. I always find it really funny when my uh, Apple Watch tells me to breathe. Because um, sometimes I don't know how it does that. I could probably Google it. But um it is when I'm feeling stressed or not breathing appropriately it'll be like take one minute to take some deep breaths so I don't know if it's linked to my heart rate or what <laughs> but it usually goes off one to two times a day during the work week
1: <laughs> yeah that's really handy though like what a great tool because it's true when you're breathing right like your brain just
0: works better yeah. like
1: everything works better so it's a, that's a really important reminder yes. go apple watch yes
0: So make sure you send us your can't evens. You can post those in our Facebook group that we were just talking about. Or if you want to send them to us via Facebook Messenger or Instagram or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. That works just fine, too. We do like to share those on a mini-sode.
1: And be sure and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts because we read one of the reviews on the podcast every week. Um, and then at the end of the month, we take all of the reviews that we read and put them into a hat and you could have a chance to win an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. So make sure you leave us your Instagram handle in the review so that we can find you. Um, but we always announce it on the show here too. So listen in after you leave a review and you might find out that you're the winner. So Sam, would you like to read this week's
0: review? Sure. This week's review is from Michigan Beer Girl. I like everything about her name that is tied to this review. Um, Yes. So the title is, So Glad I Finally Started Listening. And it says, I followed these ladies on Instagram for a while, but just finally started listening today to mix up the Christmas stuff. These ladies are funny and down to earth. As someone who loves farm things but unfortunately does not have a farm and adult beverages, I love this. It's a good way to still get my comedy fix when I need a break from the dollop or my favorite murder. Well, thank you. There's so many nice little compliments yeah. in there. We appreciate it. There are. And the
1: fact that people will listen to My Favorite Murder and our podcast and like our podcast too is like the greatest compliment ever. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. When I need a break from My Favorite Murder, I go to Drink and Farm. Um, excuse me, what? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it is. It's pretty yeah. great. <laughs> So just a few housekeeping things. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen because this helps more people like you find us.
1: And do us a favor and share this episode over on Instagram in your stories. In any fashion that you would like, tag us at Farm. We'll send you a promo code that is good for our merch shop.
0: And make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links in the articles we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing, You'll be able to find our social media there and check out our merch shop.
1: That's right. And there will be a links to a bunch of the things that we discussed on the episode that will be useful for planning your garden.
0: Yes. So that's it, guys.
1: Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We cannot wait to see your gardens. Be sure and tag us in them and share them over in our Facebook group because
0: seriously, gardens are a jam. Yes. And if you have any questions based on today's episode, you can always call us. The phone number to our voicemail will be in the uh, show notes. If you want to verbally ask those, you can also email them to us. Maybe we'll cover those on a new mini-sode that's coming up. Or you could just ask them in our Facebook group.
1: Yes. And the phone number that you want to call if you want to leave us a voicemail is 401-426-3276. That's 401-426-FARM.
0: And until next time, drink, farm, and, and give, give zero, zero clocks. Bye, guys. We Bye. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.
1: If you thought that First Saturday Lime was just for outdoor, warm weather use, we have some news for you. We love First Saturday Lime for so many of our pets dogs, horses, goats, and chickens to name a few. But did you know that you can use First Saturday Lime in your cat's litter box?
0: Because First Saturday Lime is a drying agent, it reduces the moisture and controls the bacterial growth that can make litter boxes stinky. All you have to do is sprinkle an eighth of an inch layer of First Saturday Lime over the kitty litter of your choice. That's it. Boom. Done. You are welcome.
1: So stock up on First Saturday Lime right meow by going to firstsaturdaylime.com and signing up for their monthly subscription so you never run out.